welcome everyone to our post-Christmas edition of BAMS Radio. I'm Drew DeYoung. We hope everybody had a Merry Christmas out there. I had a, a lot of fellowship and, uh, and, and great, uh, uh, you know, family time with your friends and family. Uh, no doubt it was a, it's a, a great time of the year. It's also a great time for Alabama football. Alabama landing this afternoon in Pasadena. And uh, I know they went ahead and practiced uh, as well. They've already practiced. So Alabama is in uh, Pasadena for the Rose Bowl against Michigan. We're going to preview that game coming up on New Year's Day. It's a huge opportunity for Alabama to win their way into the national championship game against the Michigan Wolverines and uh, Jim Harbaugh. We'll see what that means for Jim Harbaugh. As we know, he's kind of been in the headlines for the wrong reasons again. Once again, the NCAA kind of sniffing around. Michigan trying to get him signed to a contract extension where he won't go to the NFL. Does he go back to the NFL where his brother John Harbaugh probably has the best team in the league after they just absolutely waxed the 49ers in Santa Clara yesterday? But we're going to preview Alabama's matchup with this Michigan team. I think all my myself and my two cohorts like Alabama in the game. I've been sort of surprised that Michigan's been favored uh, throughout the uh, duration. Now, we'll see if that continues up until kickoff of the game. But we're going to preview it, of course, with my cohorts, Thomas the Wizard Watts, our producer extraordinaire in Mobile, Alabama, who's keeping us on the air, going to give us his thoughts. He's done a lot of research on Michigan. William Redfish Barger from May 1993 a national champion, an SEC champion, and a key member of the Crimson Tide. And I know he's got family ties to Michigan as well, but he has some very, uh, you know, uh, poignant opinions to give today as he's been watching and kind of prepping for Michigan. And uh, we look forward to that those conversations. But, gentlemen, I hope you both had a Merry Christmas, uh, no doubt about that. But, William, I know you're back uh, from seeing your family. Uh, your thoughts on – I know you've been studying up on Alabama and Michigan – your thoughts on the matchup, and, and you're closer to this than most, considering you were, of course, a, a played at Alabama and got your degree there, but you also were recruited heavily by uh, the, the Wolverines. Uh, yeah, I was, but, uh, you know, Drew, I mean, I, the, the thing, and I, and I think we really kind of started talking about this, um, you know, after the SEC championship game and, and, and the, the things that we – you know, kind of brought to the surface about this matchup. If if you go back and you watch, you know, the the the, the schedule that Alabama played, and and you know, then you you know flip the switch and you start watching the the schedule that Michigan played. I mean, it really is a tale of two different you know programs. Yeah. Um. You, you know, the the three best teams that that Michigan played. Um, you know, Penn State, Ohio State, and Iowa. Um, you know, this was not your typical um, dynamic, you know, with a dual threat quarterback at Ohio State. I mean, don't get me wrong. They had, you know, Maserati Marv Harrison, which, you know, he, he was one of the best players in college football. But, you know, they didn't have that dynamic, you know, guy at quarterback like they've had. Um, you know, for the last 10 years. And, and so, you know, I, I'm, I'm personally not a big James Franklin fan. I, I find, you know, he, he did an admirable job at Vanderbilt and, uh, you know, cheated his way to, 
uh, you know, the head coaching job at Penn State. But, you know, when, when you watch the, the, the you know, the, the, the top-tier teams that Michigan faced this year, um, and, and I think we can all agree they were, you know, Ohio State, Penn State, and, and Iowa in that order. You know, it wasn't your typical Ohio State team. It was another uh, pretender as a contender um, in a James Franklin coached Penn State team. Right. And, and then, you know, they, they, they played the, the Iowa Hawkeyes. And, you know, I know, you know, you, 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 we were talking about this before we started recording, and you guys wanted me to repeat this, but, you know, watching Michigan play, uh, you know, a Kurt Ferenc coached Iowa team from an offensive standpoint, um, you know, m- make Gene Stallings look like Steve Spurrier. I mean, <laughs> that, that, Iowa, that Iowa offense is so antiquated and so out of date. Now, don't get me wrong. They've got a pretty jam-up defense. Yeah. And I personally have a soft spot, um, you know, in my heart for the the Iowa football program. I love what they do, uh, you know, prior to every home game when they, um, you know, I don't know if it's at the south end, the east end, the west end, whatever, but at one end of their stadium, you know, they've got that children's hospital. And, you know, they gather all the children up in the windows and the, you know, the players and the fans wave at, at uh, you know, the sick, the sick kids in the, in the windows. And I think that's fantastic. But none of, the, none of that stuff is going to come into play, uh, you know, once Michigan and Alabama square off in, in Pasadena. And it, it, it just, it, it, you know, if you watch the games that Michigan has played against those three best opponents, and, and, you know, and I'm a bammer, I admit it, but, you know, I can look at something, um, you know, in a professional, um, you know, objective manner. You know, what, what they're going to see um, Monday um, at, what, 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock, whatever kickoff is. Four local central. Okay, 4, four o'clock central time per Thomas, and I trust him. Um, the, the athleticism that Michigan is going to see is not something that you can prepare for. Um, you know, that they can go best on best, um, you know, during their bowl practice at Ann Arbor and carry it over to Pasadena. And, you know, th- there is no Dallas Turner or Chris Braswell um, on their front seven that they can go best on best and emulate that in practice. So, you know, when the bright lights get turned on uh, Monday at 4 Central time, you know, the Michigan offensive tackles, which are average at best anyway, um, you know, they're going to be overwhelmed. Um, You know, there is no uh, scout team quarterback on on Michigan's roster that has the athleticism of of, of Jalen Milrow. So, you know, how do you prepare for – prepare for that um you know go back to the sec championship game and and look at how you know fourth and kirby tried to deal with it you know by putting two spies on Jalen milrow and it worked at times i i I do give fourth and kirby credit for this 
they did get Milrow a little bit out of his rhythm. Um, you know, it wasn't his best performance of the season. But, you know, when push came to shove and it came to nut-cutting time, uh, Jalen Milrow was able to do Jalen Milrow things even against a uh, Kirby Smart, Will Muschamp, Glenn Schumann coach defense. And, you know, they were never going to get the ball back. So, you know, Drew, just, just you know, kind of kicking this podcast off, the, the things that jump off the page to me, and, and it's always this way, going all the way back to uh, the mid-'80s when, when Bobby Bowden, you know, made this statement, and it, it was true then and it's still true now. You know, Jim Harbaugh can be the best X's and O's coaches that college football and Jesus Christ has ever seen. But you can't overcome somebody else having better Jimmys and Joes than you. And Alabama's got better Jimmys and Joes. Well, I would agree with that. I mean, I, I just was doing a little research, and, um, you know, of course, the head of Barstool is a dipshit. And I can say that on this show. Just uh, I don't want to go too much, too much, too much further, but. He's already been out there. He, he's a Portnoy's, of course, a a, uh, a Michigan grad, and he said that they were going to beat the piss out of Alabama, and that you know that that our quarterback can't throw, and which they're wrong. And you know, I, I was just reading that their fans think Alabama's wide receivers are average, and that our linebackers are below average. We just got through talking about the defensive player of the year in the SEC, Dallas Turner. I hope they believe that because they're going to get their ass whipped if they do. Because, like I said, well, I, don't really, I don't really care about all this crap off the field, sign stealing or whatever. I mean, it's like, William, like you just said, it's about the teams between the lines. And I think Alabama, I think Milrose improved exponentially, and Tom's will talk about that, I'm sure. But I think Alabama's offensive line has started playing up to its potential. And I just think Alabama's got too many weapons for Michigan. They're going to see what below average looks like, and it's going to be the guys in maize and blue because they played nobody. Well, you, you know, another fan base that thought that uh, – and, and, you know, I, I'm going to preface this by saying I, I kind of get it a little bit because they're – you know, they were salty. They were going for a three-peat, even though their, their football IQ – um, was so low that they couldn't see the forest for the trees. But, you know, Drew, there, there's another fan base out there in college football that thought that Alabama, uh, Alabama's wide receiver room um, was, was below average um, for, for an SEC wide receiver room. And that was the Georgia Bulldogs. <laughs> That's true. And – and, and, and so, you know, um, I'm not saying that, you know, Alabama had a prolific passing attack against Georgia. Um, it, you know, as a matter of fact, it was probably, uh, you know, maybe one of the most, you know, discombobulated uh, performances um, by Jalen Milrow um, going back, you know, pre-second half of the Tennessee game. But still, it was good enough, um, you know, to stop the Georgia three-peat. And, you know, we were talking about this off air. 
um, you know, if, if, if Alabama's defensive backs can catch two of the four, you know, gift interceptions, um, you know, that Carson Beck uh, gave them that they weren't able to capitalize on, you know, that, that game's not even a, a, a you know, a, a close game. So, um, you know, going back to the Alabama matchup versus Michigan, um, and, and I'm going to, you know, and, you know, I know Thomas probably has this probably queued up on one of his six keyboards that he's got. I mean, not keyboards, monitors. Um, you know, go look at, and I do think this is relevant in, in the conversation that we were talking about. Go and look at uh, 247's uh, talent composite database for the year 2023. Um, Alabama is way ahead of, of everybody else, including the Georgia Bulldogs. Um, I think Michigan checks in at 14. Um, you know, w- once you start looking at that, and then you start looking at the level of competition that was played, um, you know, we've already talked about the, the so-called three uh, great wins that Michigan had over Ohio State, Penn State, and Iowa. Um, you know, then then go check out um, the level of competition that Alabama played. Um, then go look at the NFL draft projections on both schools. Um, you know, and I think Thomas brought up a great point, and I'll let him expound on why Las Vegas thinks this game is going to be a lot closer than maybe me, you, and Thomas do, Drew. Um, but but I just don't see it. And, and you know, I'll, I'll be the first person to come back on uh, January 3rd, 4th, whatever. Um, I already had to eat, you know, six different plates of crow about Jalen Milrow. Um, I, I won't mind doing it again versus Alabama and Michigan. But it, it, it's a tale of – two different programs and I I just don't see any way how um, you know from an X's and O's and a a talent standpoint that this game is going to be close in the second half. Well and Thomas uh, I'll let you kind of expound on that because I know you've been studying Michigan. Okay so I want to specifically answer what William said and in the world of college football, it's very similar to what you see in baseball with the, the war system, the wins above replacement. There are the eye test folks, and there are the stats folks. And frequently, uh, the two camps fight, but they're generally in the same orbit. If you look at this game, though, a lot of the eye test people are taking Alabama. A lot of the statistical models say Michigan by anywhere from 7 to 10. And why is that? So, first off, what you have to understand when you're, you're sitting around the water cooler with Michigan fans, which God help you if you're actually doing that, but... Michigan's offense statistically is not as good as Alabama's. That's unequivocal. Part of that's because J.J. McCarthy got hurt in the Maryland game. 
Part of that is because Michigan wants to play in a phone booth. That's just how Jim Harbaugh has built all of his teams forever. So that that you know that that's that's one of the that's one of the situations here. But the issue that when you look at the offense, why Michigan's able to just destroy teams is the defense is able to generate a ton of turnovers. The offense doesn't turn the ball over. So they get a lot of short fields, easy touchdowns. Suddenly, what a game that statistically should be 20 to 7 is 40 to 7 is because of, you know, the, the snowball, the avalanche effect happens. Now, Michigan favored by anywhere from two and a half to a half a point. I think by kickoff, it'll be a pick 'em game myself is trying to balance those two notions. The stats say Michigan by 7 to 10 versus I test saying Alabama by 3 to 7. And so you have Michigan kind of hedging that way. I think it's a hedge. And that makes sense to me because the Alabama offense, for all of its awesomeness, has also been a headache. And a headache, what I mean is, they have quarters where they just disappear. You know, it was we, we made the joke before the LSU game, we're going to have a, a, one good half of Alabama and we're going to have one half of bad Alabama. And, you know, go back to the Tennessee game. First half Alabama, very frustrating, 20 to 7, going in at half. Second half Alabama, 27 to nothing, destroys that Tennessee team. And even look at the Iron Bowl. Look, if Alabama doesn't get called for holding on that fourth go- that fourth down with uh, where they ran the jet the Debo essentially the Debo sweep for a touchdown, that game is twenty one nothing, and Auburn probably lays down. Instead, three plays later, Alabama punts fourteen seven. Game on. That's kind of been the hallmark of this Alabama team. And that hallmark has been baked into stats, which is why even though you look at yards per play and yards per score and all of the advanced metrics, Alabama will be competitive to slightly better than Michigan. But Michigan will score more points because they'll have shorter fields. That's the premise of the statistical models. Now, oh no, what does that mean? Well, that's predicated on the idea that the Michigan defense is good enough to not just hold Alabama down, but shut the Alabama offense down for large swaths of the game. I don't buy that. Look, if you had, if you pull the SEC title game out, I think I could, I could accept that premise, but the go back and watch the second quarter of the Bama versus Georgia game. And I don't know who stuck a bottle rocket up the interior of the Alabama offensive line's derriere, but they did, and they lit that sucker because Booker, McLaughlin, and the Swamp Monster absolutely wrecked the Georgia interior defensive line. It was hilariously one-sided. If they can do that against Georgia, they can do it against Michigan, and to me... That suggests that some of the stats have kind of don't tell the story. Now, a smart fan would say, but Michigan stats are over 13 games, yada, yada, yada. Here is your ultimate trump card if you are an Alabama fan talking around the water cooler with Michigan fans. 
Michigan's defensive statistics have been against the vast majority bottom 65 offenses in college football. Alabama's not that. And if Alabama can force Michigan to not just get downhill and charge the line of scrimmage and play in a phone booth, we've very rarely seen that. And here's the other part of that discussion. The two best offenses that uh, Michigan has competed against, Maryland, which debatably they should have lost that game, and Ohio State. Now Ohio State's the game, uh, played in the big house, rivalry game, so you kind of have to put that, you know, asterisk, asterisk, asterisk. But Ohio State scored 24. Maryland scored, I think, 21? I'm not looking at their schedule right now. But Maryland also was able to come back. So there are some real elements here statistically that both make sense from a season-long perspective but give Alabama fans some serious heart as we look at all of this, Drew. I I really think at the end of the day, and I'll kick it back to you, the question that needs to be discussed is if Alabama plays their best best game, their healthiest game, because Alabama will be healthier than they've been in a hot minute against Michigan. Is Alabama's healthiest game better than Michigan's best game, particularly discussing the Michigan offensive line without Zach Zinter? And Zach Zinter is an interior offensive lineman for Michigan. I frankly equate him to Tyler Booker when it comes to offensive line play. He broke his leg in the game, and he's not going to be available. Fantastic football player. And, 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 and yep. you know, Michigan's had a month to figure it out. But yank Tyler Booker out of the Alabama offensive line, well, smart people would say we've seen that, and it was USF, and that was a damn disaster. Michigan won't quite be that disaster, but that's a big piece to pull out, Drew, and I think there's a lot of stat stuff that you have to be honest and talk about because it's not just this statistical profile versus this other statistical profile. There's too much, frankly, dirtiness. The data scientist in me screams. There's too much dirt on these stats for them to really be something to bank on. I think it's a line of scrimmage game. I think, you know, Michigan's good on the O-line. Alabama's better. I think Alabama's a lot better in the the pass rush area and the D-line. No question about it. Um, I think Alabama's inside linebacker cores improved greatly since the start of the season, and Robert Ball has coached them. Um, I know I was critical of Hutzler, but, I mean, he's leaving. But, I mean, they got production um, out of Braswell. They got production out of, uh, you know, big-time production out of Turner. He had the kind of year he needed to have. And then, you know, and it hadn't really been talked about a lot, but Q Rob's given them really good production when they've needed to have him. I mean, he's been a – a good third guy and a rabbit guy that could end up making some plays in the game. And I just think overall, too, I think Alabama's secondary. You know, there was questions about it because they lost so much experience from a year ago. But uh, they just got – they got, you know, Trey Amos has proven himself. He's definitely a, a starter-level third corner. That that was kind of blessing in disguise. When he, you know, was counted on in a game of that caliber against Georgia to come through. And they've got Kool-Aid back. You know, you've got Terry on all that could be Terry last game. So, you know, you've got three good corners you can count on. 
Malachi is really experienced guy who can play in a game like this, who can play a lot of different roles if need be. Um, I think he'll probably end up playing probably star and safety. I think they'll move Terry on around some. And, and then, you know, when you look at it, I guess the only one, and, and we know this kind of stud that, uh, you know, Caleb Downs is. And that's another thing, too. Caleb Downs will be returning punts, which he didn't do for the majority of the season. And so he gives you a more explosive dude. And I'm excited about that. And, uh, and, and, and then I, I, the, only, the only, I guess, part of the back end is I'm still a little worried about Jalen Key. I didn't think he was bad against Georgia, but, you know, there's been teams that's kind of gone after him. If he can keep everything in front of him, I still think he can be a good player. But I just, I just really like, you know, a boy B. I like Tim Smith. I just like the defense as a whole and the matchup against because I, you know, I was just looking at the stats, Thomas. I know you were kind of going over some of that, but I, you know, I just don't think Michigan's got a real explosive offense. And when you've got, you know, they want to talk about Alabama's receivers being, you know, average or below average. What the hell does Michigan have? I mean, <laughs> right. they don't. They and, don't even have a Maserati Marv. I heard William talking about Maserati Marv. Shit, Maserati Marv. I mean, he had probably twice as much receiving yards as the Wilson kid who led Michigan with about, what, 670? I mean, this is not the most – now, I'm not saying they're not a good offense, but it's not the most explosive offense you've ever seen. You're absolutely and, right. And, and, and it's really that, – that's, that's where everything gets kind of weird when you try and figure out Michigan. They're a traditional – Run the football, play action. Yeah, they got to stop Blake Corum, man. You got to stop Corum yeah. and Edwards. That's the that's the two dudes. And I would even venture to say their tight end is a really good player. You got to stop him in the red zone. But I mean, I just you know, and I'm and I think McCarthy's a, a good quarterback, but he doesn't scare me at all. I'll just say this: Michigan doesn't have anybody that scares me, Corum included. He's a solid. I mean, you know, he's a solid running back, but I mean, I'll just be honest. I, I think Alabama's got better ones. I think Alabama is better at just about every offensive position than Michigan. Well, fire in the hot take cannon. What you think, William? No, I mean, I totally agree. I mean, I, I think, you know, especially after I had the chance to, you know, watch the Michigan versus Penn State game, Michigan versus Ohio State, Michigan versus Iowa. Um, and, 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 you know, when I say I watched them, what, what I did was I evaluated those athletes. Right. And if you, you know, there, there's no Aiden Hutchison uh, coming off the edge, you know, for Michigan's defense this year. Um, you know, they're very average. Um, again, I mean, I think they're a solid football team, but I, I think they've got a little bit more than they bargained for, for what's coming next Monday, um, at 4 PM central. And, and, you know, you know, one thing that really jumped off the page to me was a play that I watched versus, um, Alabama versus Georgia in the SEC championship game. And I want to put this out there on a public record. Um, You know, the ball snapped. um, uh, Swamp Monster in 65, J.C. Latham, 
do a combo block on the three-technique defensive tackle. Um, Milrow gives the ball to Jim Miller. Um, the hole was big enough for um, a 53-year-old crippled like myself to run through. And, you know, two things happen. First of all, the, the referee throws the flag, which was bullshit. It wasn't a holding call. But all that damn uh, transfer C.J. Dupree had to do was take an inside step like it was pass pro and get in the guy's way. And he didn't do it. Well, I mean, he I... didn't make his block. And that's what caused Jim Miller not to score a touchdown on that play. Well, I will say this. I thought Robbie Utes played better. And I think I think he's got a chance to contribute in the game as well. I think somebody asked me on Twitter the other day about the tight ends. And I just said I thought the ball needed to be spread out. Uh, you know, certainly I think there's going to be plays for Amari um, Nyblack to make. Um, and in the red zone, perhaps Oots is a factor. Uh, you know, maybe Dupree as well. But I, I think Alabama's got a good tight end room. Uh, you know, I think they got a better tight end room than Michigan. I mean, I'll freely admit I didn't watch a ton of Big Ten football, but, you know, I did watch a little bit of the Penn State-Michigan game and Michigan and Ohio State. I wasn't impressed. I think you made a great point, William, earlier in the show when you said this was not a vintage Ohio State offense. And if it was – No, it was not. Then why the hell is Kyle McCord going to Syracuse? Because exactly. obviously – Ryan Day wasn't satisfied with his quarterback play. So this was not a great Ohio State team. And and guess what? When the college football playoff was coming down the pike, did you hear anybody bitching that Ohio State wasn't in? No. Because nope. everybody knew that Ohio State wasn't that good. So I just think if, if Milrow takes care of the ball, and he's done a much better job of that down the stretch, uh, then I just think Alabama's going to be tough to beat. I mean, Milrow has has kept the turnovers to the minimum, really even since the Texas game. He's done a much better job. And if he's a willing runner in this game in the Rose Bowl, I agree with William. I think I think the athleticism is going to completely give Michigan a lot of problems. They can talk about he's not a very good passer and everything, but he's a much better athlete than anybody that Michigan's got on their football team. And so I yes, – I just I think that I think Alabama's going to win it. I've got it 28-23. I've got it a little bit closer, uh, you know, probably than I, than I, I probably should have gone with a ten point margin. But and I mean I have respect for Michigan, but I just think overall that Alabama's going to make the plays to win the game. But I know William, I know you like Alabama by substantially more than 28-23. Uh, I mean. You know, I think they're 14 to 17 points better than Michigan. So, you know, work the score out in your mind the way you want to. But, I, you know, I just don't buy into this, uh, you know, bullshit routine where, oh, you know, th th they ran through the Big Ten. And go watch the three best teams that Michigan played, Ohio State, Penn State, and Iowa. Right, and, you know, and get back to me. The athletic <laughs> level that that Alabama will put on them is off the chain. You know, they 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 haven't had um, guys like Chris Braswell, Dallas Turner, 
uh, Q Robinson uh, coming off the edge on their offensive line. Um, you know, they pride themselves on, oh, well, you know, uh, we didn't give up that many yards uh, rushing against who we played. Guess what? Uh, the the pain's coming, and it's coming with you. And if you don't believe me, go talk to Fourth and Kirby and ask uh, him what uh, uh, 52, 77, and 65 did to his damn front seven. Yeah, I would agree. I, I think Alabama's going to be able to run the football well enough uh, definitely, uh, and, and especially for the first half, they ran it really well against Georgia. I know Georgia made some adjustments, but I would agree. I think that Alabama's got a, uh, you know, uh, a good shot because I think Georgia is better than Michigan. I, I said it. I thought Georgia was better than Michigan. I thought Georgia and Alabama were two of the best four, but you know, there's a lot of politics that get involved in, in the college football playoff. And, and again, I, I, I'll just say, I think as long as Alabama takes care of the football and they win the plus minus, I think they're going to run the football. Uh, and I think that Corum will make some plays, but just like Alabama did a great job. I think Georgia had 76 rushing yards. I don't expect Michigan to run wild on Alabama and that's the only way they can win it. They're going to have to control the clock. They're going to have to control the line of scrimmage. And I've got to believe with Kevin still having a month to prepare uh, you know, with Bala, you know, being on the staff now, T-Rob, I got to believe they're going to be able to take, you know, this running game out of the out of the equation for Michigan. I know Michigan will try to throw it around some, but again, their passing game just doesn't scare me. And Alabama, they, the one other thing, too, that's kind of unknown is the health of Jace McClellan, because we know he did not play against Auburn. Uh, we'll see how healthy he is. I haven't uh, dug into that to find out, but I know – they were fine. Roy Dell did a great job. Jam, you just talked about Jam. Uh, they could even use, uh, you know, uh, the, the young kid, uh, you know, Justice Haynes. So they've got plenty of depth tailback uh, to that I think they'll give Michigan problems. And I just think overall, and then I think Caleb Downs could be an X factor if they punt him the ball. And then Alabama's special teams have been pretty solid all year long. Love Will Reichert. I love Burnup. So I just think Alabama's got an advantage in the special teams area too. And uh, again, I just I, I Alabama's played Michigan a few times. It's not like they haven't seen Michigan the last few years. So they played against Harbaugh in nineteen. I was there for the Citrus Bowl, and Alabama handled them. And I just think they can handle them overall. I, I just I, Thomas, I really like Alabama this game. I know uh, William said fourteen to seventeen. Are you liking the Tide by double digits? So. Okay, let, let's explain this pick. I, I have Alabama by 10. Um, right. But what I almost did. I have Alabama 27-17. And, and so the obvious question is why? I, I really it, – it does come down to Jimmy's and Joe's. <clears throat> A fully healthy Alabama team is better than any team that Michigan has, has played this year. I mean, I would argue that it's – as good as any team Michigan has seen in the past couple of years, particularly because Michigan dodged Georgia last year. And what does Alabama gain by gaining health? Healthy Deontay Lawson, who, if he is not the best inside linebacker in college football at 
worst, he's top five. I mean, yeah, that's, that, 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 that's being respectful, respectful. of, of that, his. That's a great point, too, Tom, because he was slowed against Auburn, too. He will be much healthier. Right. And then the, the key, Amos, those, those guys coming in, right. being able to make positive contributions. The problem that Michigan's going to run into is a lot of their games have been predicated on we're going to lean on you and we're going to lean on you and we're going to make you make mistakes and we're going to take advantage of those mistakes because we're more veteran and we're in every case but Ohio State, we're more talented than you. And we're just going to lean and we're going to lean and eventually you're going to fall over. And that's how we're going to win. <laughs> You're not more talented than Alabama. William brought it up. The uh, 247 composite. Alabama is first. Uh, Michigan, for those playing the home game, is 14th. Alabama has more five stars and four stars by almost an order of magnitude. That That's how different these two teams are from a construction standpoint. So, to me, if Michigan's game plan is to lean, you're betting on Michigan or Alabama, Jalen Melrose specifically, making mistakes, which is just right. not something he's done over the past six weeks. And that's with some some folks playing health, unhealthy, et cetera. I don't buy that. And here's really where something we haven't talked about. Alabama and Michigan, in a lot of cases, are mirrors of each other. This game is going to be a very short game. Everybody's going to want to run the ball. Everybody's going to want to play defense. And this game, you're thinking seven, eight possessions. That's what I think. Because, you know, the new clock rules, this is going to be two teams that want to control the ball to a, to a greater extent than even Alabama and Georgia. And if you look back at the Alabama-Georgia game, in terms of, like, pure game time, was like two hours, two hours, 15 minutes. Jump on YouTube and put in Alabama v. Georgia SEC championship game plays. It's like 208 or 215, which is insane compared to last year. So the clock rules play into this. And you would think, because Michigan's been able to score more from a yards per play or a points per Yard per points or a points per yard, depending on how you want to, you know, put your denominators and your numerators. It would favor Michigan. I don't think so. I think that Alabama is going to be able to pull just enough juice. And when Michigan goes to lean, Alabama leans back. And Alabama can lean harder. So for me, I have Alabama 27, Michigan 17. And... If for some reason, and this is not something I can do because I simply don't have time, if the Alabama staff has figured out a vulnerability in the Michigan defense and it is exploited early on and suddenly we're looking up at the end of the first quarter and it's Alabama 10, Michigan nothing, or God help Michigan, Alabama 14, Michigan nothing, it's a jailbreak. Like, that has blowout written all over it because – Michigan ain't built to come from behind. At least Alabama can throw over the top and potentially get some explosives. 
But here's your stat, Drew. Here's your justification, and I'll throw it back to you. The Alabama offense, from a pure explosion standpoint, is better than anything that Michigan's seen by at least five plays. And the only other offense that's even in the same orbit was Ohio State. Ohio State, which the quarterback has been summarily shipped off to Syracuse because he wasn't good enough. So as an Alabama fan, there's a lot of stuff aligning for Alabama. And this completely ignores the Nick Saban being 10-1 and when given a month to prepare for an opponent. Honestly, like I'll, 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 I'll straight up put my mouth on it. All of this seems like a sideshow to me. I think Alabama, I think Michigan's coming for a paddling for all you old school Simpsons fans. I think the thing worth discussing is who do we as Alabama fans want to see in the national title game? Because the other game in the Sugar Bowl is spicy. And I would, I can't wait to watch it after well, Alabama beats Michigan. Go ahead. Well, I do too. I mean, I, I pretty much nailed that point spread. I had Texas as a four point favorite. I'm going to go ahead and say Texas, like, you know, 35, 31. I think they're going to get it done. Uh, I think Sark's team's better on both lines of scrimmage. I think, I know Washington won the Joe Moore award and I know they're good. Uh, and they've kind of been underestimated because they won some games ugly. Uh, during the mid part of the schedule, but I think they've got Quinn Ewers healthy. I think Bo's done a great job with the D line. Uh, I like their back end. You know, I think their back end's been good enough. I just think overall, when you look at that, all the athletes they had: Tavian Sanders, Xavier Worthy, AD Mitchell always shows up in big games. Uh, I just think overall they that uh, that Texas has got as many weapons as uh, as Washington. And probably is a little bit better on the line of scrimmage, William. And that's what you've been talking about with Alabama having the advantage over Michigan. I just have been thinking since this uh, happened that, uh, you know, Milrow's going to have a chance to get some redemption and Alabama's going to play Texas. No, I agree with you. And I think that, uh, you know, if you look at the way his, his uh, you know, games unfold, you know, as far as an Alabama fan, um, you know, it, it, to me, it started and stopped with the the second half performance versus Tennessee, yeah. and, and you know the way that he's been able to um, develop, and and I think Tommy Reese has done a great job with not only developing Jalen Milrow but also Ty Simpson as the backup. Um, I think you're going to see that versus um, Alabama versus Michigan. Now, if we want to get into, you know, what's going to happen beyond that, you know, if if, if that game's a winner, um, you know, if you're asking me who I want to play, um, I, I would rather play Washington versus Texas two times. Um, you, you know, I, I think Texas is the best team that, you know, Alabama's played this year. I think, uh, you know, you know, we saw why, you know, how dynamic they are with, you know, Quinn Ewers throwing passes to uh, Xavier Worthy. But, you know, when that thing comes down, you know, we still don't know how that's going to play out. But, you know, let's go back to um, Alabama versus Michigan. 
you know, Alabama's got to get past Michigan before they, you know, play that next opponent. Um, but if anybody's worried about that thing happening, um, you know, don't worry about uh, Alabama versus Michigan. They're going to beat Michigan's um, – where I become concerned um, on, on the next level of play is Alabama versus Texas. That's when I might have to start eating uh, my next tray of crow. Of, uh, right. I mean, that, that'll be a game we uh, break down later. Uh, is it, it, you know, we like William rightly pointed out, Alabama's got to get past uh, Michigan in the Rose Bowl. We, we're all unanimous and very confident that that's going to happen. And the next game would be in Houston, Texas, uh, you know, Reliance Stadium. Uh, it would be the home of the Texans, and of course, uh, it would be either the Longhorns, who would have a you know a, a huge uh, home crowd. But I really don't give a, uh, a piss about that because Alabama's taken care of LSU before uh, in their backyard. Or it could be Washington, be truly a neutral field. But we'll see. I agree with Thompson; it's very spicy. But 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 as we are wrapping up this edition of Bams Radio. Uh, as we've given our predictions to see Alabama in the national championship game. We wanted to wrap up recruiting, too, because I thought Alabama did a solid job, you know, wrapping up the number two class in the country. Certainly disappointing not to finish number one, because I thought there was a path to doing that uh, at the start of, uh, you know, December the 20th, but didn't work out. Uh, Biggest reason is because of Edward Houston, the five-star defensive lineman from uh, Buford, who visited Alabama last weekend. Uh, Didn't come to pass. There was a lot of buzz on the 20th on on Wednesday morning. He was going to come to Alabama, but he ended up uh, choosing to stick with Ohio State. So that was disappointing. Alabama did not get another offensive tackle in the class, which is going to be interesting because Jordan Seaton ended up going to the highest bidder, took an extra day, but he ended up signing uh, with Colorado and Coach Prime. Alabama also uh, was recruiting – uh, the uh, young man uh, from Eagles Landing in Georgia, Favor Edwin, he ended up going to Auburn. Uh, he's a developmental guy. He'll take a couple of years, but 6'8", 300 pounds. Alabama is not going to pay the premium price for him. So it'll be interesting to see, especially with the legal troubles of uh, Elijah Pritchett. He's with the team, I believe, in the uh, for the Rose Bowl, but he's not slated to start. Uh, he had the legal issue off the field. So we'll see what happens with him long term. But it wouldn't surprise me after the playoff of Alabama, you know, addresses the transfer portal at offensive tackle, uh, you know, because they, they, they should be losing J.C. Latham to the draft. They've got Wilkin Formby. They've got Miles McVeigh, who are developing players. Uh, but, again, you, you probably need another body there uh, and maybe one with experience. So we'll see because certainly Caden Proctor stepped up. Uh, but, again, uh, we'll see what happens with Eliza Pritchett, what happens with the class. I think, really, uh, you know, that's what kept Alabama from being number one was getting Jordan Seaton and perhaps, uh, of course, uh, you know, Edric Houston. Those two linemen are probably what kept Alabama from, uh, you know, the top class. Now, they've got 23 signs. I still think there's a good chance they're going to add uh, more. Ryan Williams is a commitment, not a signee. He's going to sign on February the 9th. He would give them another five-star signing. And really, after – and look, it wasn't all, you know, bad news on signing day. They did 
flip Aaron Bubba Hampton uh, from the state of Texas, who they had been re- pursuing for a long time. He's a combo guy. He can play wide receiver. He can play safety. I think he's a really good player. He just like Coach Saban said, he's a dog. He makes plays. And uh, I think he's really a guy that you can count on to be a playmaker potentially in the class. I'm excited about Arion Hampton. Uh, they flipped him, uh, and that was, I thought, uh, a key on signing day, uh, no doubt about it. And I thought, uh, you know, uh, being able to uh, hold on to a lot of, to the guys that you have, uh, Alabama, like Florida, got decimated with a bunch of flips. Alabama did not. Uh, they certainly didn't go back and reflip Perry, you know, Thompson. But I'm not so sure that was that big a deal. They got Rico Scott. They got Amari Jefferson. Uh, those are two quality wide receiver prospects. And like we said, they got Arion Hampton, who I think is uh, really going to help the class overall. And like I said, when you when you're when it's kind of it's interesting too with these classes now because you have to kind of you used to be able to 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 judge them two to three years down the line, and you can't because of the transfer portal. The transfer portal is so prevalent now. Uh, you know, because that you can leave within a year. But I still think when you look at it overall and you look at it by position, Alabama, they, they signed a big group of secondary guys. Uh, they they, uh, they got Zabion Brown, who's a longtime commit from modern day, a corner who's really solid. Jalen Mbakwe is probably as good a prospect as they signed. And, you know, he never really wavered, so people didn't worry about it. Auburn tried all they could to get Mbakwe to flip from the state champion Clay Chalkwell Cougars, but he didn't flip. One of the fastest kids in the state and is going to be a great corner prospect. Alabama did hold on to the Tampa, uh, Florida, uh, you know, product, uh, Jameer Grimsley. I think he's going to probably be, it wouldn't surprise me if he ends up being a nickel, but he may be a safety. I know Florida wanted him very, very badly. Uh, so they were able to hold on to him. And then they've still got, uh, the three safeties, Peyton Woodyard out of St. John Bosco, who they flipped from Georgia. Radarius Red Morgan uh, from state champion Central of Phoenix City. They held on to him. And Drake Kirkpatrick Jr., who's got the swag. He's got the bloodlines of his dad. Not as big, not nearly as tall. But, man, he balled out in the Alabama-Mississippi game. Could have been MVP. I know Ryan Williams got it. But he blocked a punt uh, that, led to, that led to points. Uh, he had two interceptions, both of them one-handed, uh, which is amazing. And he also had a strip and a fumble recovery. I mean, he just was a magnet for the football. So I think the and they may not even be done with the secondary class, but there's Daytona Beach Mainland's Zay Mincy, who signed with a team on Jan- on uh, signing day. He's going to announce at the All-Star game January the 6th. There is some buzz that Alabama and, and uh, T-Rob feel good about that. We'll see what's happening, uh, you know. And, again, they've still got QB Reese committed as well. So I would not be surprised if Alabama added two to three more. They've got Julian Sand on campus, number one quarterback in America. I mean, uh, he's already impressed with the way he's thrown the ball. Uh, and then, you know, I think their linebacker core, while it didn't have, you know, I'm not sure that it ended up, you know, with, you know, a superstar in the group. They still got uh, Justin Aronquo uh, from Canada, who Saban really, really liked. He can run like a jackrabbit. Sterling Dixon uh, from Mobile Christian, uh, the same school that produced Deontay Lawson. I mean, now he did spend his senior year at Spanish Fort, but he played 
the majority of his career at Mobile Christian. LSU tried very hard to flip him. Caden Jones is a very long guy who could play inside or out from the state of North Carolina who was committed for a long time. So, And then they got late Jordan Ross from Kansas City, the, 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 uh, the edge rusher, who I really like as well. So I think the linebacker core, while it didn't have the five-star guys, I think that was very solid. Defensive line, I think they got some they got some solid players, no doubt about it. Um, I think they got, uh, you know, Steve uh, Buamua, the, the kid that everybody was expecting to get from Canada. Jeremiah Beeman, who I was really impressed with at the Alabama in the Alabama Mississippi game. Uh, Isaiah Fonga, uh, and Fonga, uh, it was is from Central of Phoenix City, and he's a guy that uh, was uh, a state champion, and they flipped him from Utah. He's really really solid, and then. Uh, like we said, I, I thought, you know, it was disappointing that they didn't get, uh, you know, the, uh, the Edric Houston, which would have kind of been the, uh, you know, the cherry on top of the Sunday. But when you look at the guys they did get, those three prospects, I think, are all really good. And I think they're going to be, you know, really solid players. And so I, I wish they could go get somebody in the portal like a Peter Woods to kind of atone for that. But we'll see. They were not going to get into the Walter Nolan sweepstakes. I wouldn't pay for Walter Nolan. I don't think he's been that good a player. I don't think he's lived up to the hype. So they were. Ne- everybody kept asking me about that. I never expected Alabama to be involved, but we could. I could see in the transfer portal if they found the right defensive lineman. They certainly. Uh, they they were looking at an edge guy and Travis Moore, and now the two guys in the portal that I would look at. I still think Evan Stewart. Is a guy they're going to take a long look at the wide receiver once Jermaine Burton moves on, and I think they're also going to take a look at Damani Jackson in the corner. And that a lot of that may have to do with uh, whether or not you know. And like I said, it could be the last game for Terry on Arnold. Does he come back or does he turn pro? But I mean, I, we certainly will see. And as I said, if you sign Ryan Williams and go ahead and get him signed, I mean, I think that wide receiver and tight end room when you're thinking about. Arion Hampton, Ryan Williams, Amari Jefferson, Rico Scott, Caleb Odom, uh, and Jay Lindsey, the, the kid, the underrated kid from Butler, Alabama, and Patrician Academy. I think that's as good a wide receiver and tight end class as anybody had in college football. And I know they also flipped Kevin Riley. He ended up being the running back signee. They, they needed one running back. You always need one. I thought it was going to be Jaden Ball, but the Florida Gators found it, found out, you know, found a way to get him completely flipped. But they still got Kevin Riley, who's a longtime Hurricane commit, and who's a very solid player, uh, you know, at Chuscaloosa uh, County. And then the offensive line class, it, while it doesn't have a tackle, uh, the three interior guys they did get, Casey Poe, William Sanders, and Joseph Iannott, I think they're all very, very solid. I thought it was a really good class overall just lacking probably one more D-lineman, one more O-lineman, offensive tackle. They certainly went after those kind of players, but uh, they're very expensive in this climate of recruiting. And now we'll see if they address both in the transfer world because, Thomas, you get extra time in the portal if you're a college football playoff team. And I got to believe Alabama are on the D-line, the O-line, and potentially maybe at safety and corner and wide receiver. They're going to take a long look at adding some more pieces in the portal. Right now, uh, they only have one added, and it's a big one, and it kind of does lessen the blow from a defensive line standpoint uh, when they uh, get, get, got the big man from 
Texas A&M, LT Overton, who, you know, people forget three, four years ago was the number one player in his class, reclassified, and did a, did pretty good at A&M, but, you know, still is a guy with some untapped potential, and hopefully Kevin Steele, Gary Walker, and those guys can get it out of him. So, <clears throat> I think you, you make a good point. So, the the thing that I find most interesting about all of this stuff is all four college football playoff teams are kind of in a holding pattern. Right. I think, I think it's wild that Malik Murphy is leaving Texas. So we're legitimately talking about Quinn Ewers, who has had injuries over the past two years. If he gets hurt, it's the Arch Manning show against Washington. That's right. that, that, that blows my mind. But outside of that, you have a circumstance where we don't know. And what goes into these players' decisions? Well, part of it is the NFL draft is going to be giving grades, and players can request it, and they can see. Another part of that will be, you know, after the SEC title game, there were exit interviews. And that's why you saw some of the depth pieces at Alabama decide to step out and find a new school. There will be more conversations as the roster kind of coalesces around the NFL draft. And what does that look like? I've got to be honest, Drew. I think Terrion Arnold is gone, gone. I think Kool-Aid and Terrion, thank you for your service. Go be first or second round draft picks. That's what Nick Saban's going to say. And suddenly we have a situation where Alabama secondary, which I think has at least top two top five corners, that's going to have to be rebuilt. So you look in the portal for that. If you don't think what you have is going to develop into a circumstance that is able to support you know, Alabama's continued dominance. I think it's going to be really, really interesting. You know, let's, let's, let's take a snapshot. This conversation on January 10th, January the 11th is going to be wild because most of Alabama is locked in. I really think that, Uh, you know, what, what, one of the reasons that I think you, William and I are so confident for the Michigan game is, This Alabama team has gotten a lot better through the year. This team is getting healthy. And this team, from a pure Jimmy's and Joe's standpoint, is just more talented than the Michigan Wolverines. On top of that, the Alabama staff, outside of Coleman Hutzler, who, let's just say, has had mixed reviews from people that know more football than I do, the Alabama staff is intact. And what have we said multiple times this year? It's hard to watch Alabama in the first half, but so help me, do those people not get in a room and in 20 minutes figure out how to flip that switch and make them really, really good. So that's what's coming, and that gives me confidence against Michigan, and let's see what team comes out of the Rose Bowl. But that this whole conversation is almost what you're talking about is almost on hold because I don't think Terry and Arnold's coming back, but maybe for some wackadoodle reason, he decides <coughs> he wants to be CB one versus CB three 
in the draft. That's going to shift stuff. And here's the thing, and this is what I'll say to Alabama fans, Drew. You look at the end of last year with the Jordan Battles and the Brian Branches deciding to leave. And Brian Branch is on the short list for Defensive Player of the Year for the Detroit Lions. Like, folks ask, why are the Lions so good? Well, first off, they've been building through the draft for a hot minute. But more than that, they have nailed Brian Branch and they nailed Sam Laporta in this most recent draft. And that's a big deal. So, you know, Nick Saban went to the portal, pulled in some guys, and here we are. Does Evan Stewart come in? I, I have to be honest. With the way Jalen Milrow says he's already coming back for his senior year and Jermaine Burton, he's I believe he's going to exhaust his eligibility as of either a national championship or bust. Alabama needs a wide receiver one. Evan Stewart could be that guy. And – Look, I know Jermaine Burton's taken the peat from Alabama fans, and some of it's justified, but watch some of the catches he's made for Jalen Milrow this year. Like, that guy has done some things. The touchdown he had against Georgia, he caught the ball on his face mask with a dude hanging on him. Right. Like, that's a big deal. That's what you want in a wide receiver. So, doesn't Evan Stewart, who has been rumored, oh, he's going to come to Alabama, blah, 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 blah. I, I, I'm not willing to go there quite yet. This conversation is going to be real interesting, and we'll see, Drew. You know me. I'm real big on what happens between the white lines in college. I think it's fair to be excited for what Alabama signed. I think there are some dudes out there that could help Alabama be a successful team next year. And – if half of what is true about Jalen Milrow being extraordinarily charismatic is true, then Milrow's going to pull some players to play with him for a year. So, you know, I guess the way I'll put it to you is, from my perspective, the future is very, very bright for this Alabama Crimson Tide team because I don't know about you, but I don't see Tommy Reese or Kevin Steele moving on here anytime soon. You know, maybe Steele, he'll go into retirement, but Reese, he's not leaving until he gets a head coaching job as far as I'm concerned. Well, and I don't think Nick Saban's leaving because you got people talking about that too. And I just, I, he's not acting like someone's about to retire and walk away if he wins it. Because look, man, he's recruiting at a very high level. I mean, he's trying to hold on to Ryan Williams. He's uh, recruited Julian Sagan. Um, and I, I just think that you'd have some more guys, you know, leaving, as you would hear buzz about, that would be leaving maybe transferring out because without Nick Saban there. And again, you have, I would think Nick Saban, you would know he was going to retire. He would tell you, uh, he might even announce it, uh, you know, even before the end of a season. So you can prepare the recruiting class. You can go out and hire a coach before early recruiting and then handle the transfer portal. I mean, I, I just really believe, uh, you know, that, the, that he's not done and that he's, he has really enjoyed coaching this team. And like you said, Thomas, he's got a lot coming back next year uh, that could make Alabama a favorite in this new expanded playoff. So, uh, but I'll just say, I think the recruiting class was solid. It probably lacked some of the star power for some of his other ones. Uh, but again, I think it's really solid. And if they can address D line and O line in the portal, uh, you know, and maybe another position or two, 
uh, then I think they're going to be just fine. I, I think Alabama has still got some irons in the fire where they could, you know, make the, some things happen. And before anybody asks, yes, Alabama has a good NIL program, or they wouldn't be signing anyone. Uh, you know, they're, now what they're not going to choose their battles, and I think Ryan Williams will be one of those. I don't think they're going to go all out for some guys, and we'll see if they do for Evan Stewart. I don't think that they're going to. I hope it's really true what Evan Stewart is saying that he wants to be developed, and it's not about NIL. Because if it's not, he needs to come to Alabama and play in a great offense with a great team and prove himself. Made some plays against A&M, but was never consistent. And certainly, I think he could be a you know a star at Alabama. But we'll see about that. We'll see with Monty Jackson. And the next time we bring you Bams Radio, because we very likely will not be bringing you one before the Rose Bowl, we'll be taking a, a look back, uh, you know, at uh, the Rose Bowl and. You know, portal buzz if there is some more and if there's been some more movement there and with a coaching staff because, uh, you know, we don't know yet who's going to replace uh, Coleman Hutzler at all. Uh, we do know that, uh, you know, they hired, uh, you know, the uh, the, uh, the the uh, uh, the former inside linebackers coach uh, at Michigan. But like we said last week, really, he sounds like more of an analyst, so to speak, and he's somebody that's very, very familiar with uh, Nick Saban and with Kirby Smart and, you know, and can and has been able to, whilst Coach Saban was having to recruit so much, he's been having uh, to, uh, you know, uh, kind of keep things steady back at the ranch because, again, I've said this before, and that's why I think Seth McLaughlin will be back, uh, Thomas. It, it, nothing is more important than experience when it comes to Alabama football. And I think whether you've coached at Alabama before, whether it's as a GA or an on-the-field coach or you played there, there's nothing like Alabama and there's nothing like experience. Oh, certainly. And Nick Saban has a, <clears throat> a history of doing that. You know, you the much-maligned Chris Owens a couple years yeah. back. Um, I believe he put some money on Brian Robinson. And look, yep. as much as you, you hate that Georgia beat Alabama, that year, the 33-18 national title game. I will go to my grave, similar to Texas fans, if Colt McCoy hadn't gotten hurt, that Brian Robinson was maybe three plays from taking that national title game over. But unfortunately, Jaleel Dinglebat Billingsley decided that he was going to ole a block on Nolan Smith, and suddenly on first down, instead of Brian Robinson falling forward for five yards. It's second and 12. And then, and then suddenly, a Jaleel's buddy, Ajay Dinglebrick Hall, decided to brick hands a pass, and we're just hosed. And, and so, you know, Nick Saban, like, I guess here's my thing, Drew. And William has said this in the past, and I think Alabama fans should take heart in it. Until the angry little man does not show up to the Malmore Athletic Facility for morning meeting every day at 7 or 8 a.m., whenever the hell it is, everything's fine. He is a step ahead, and if he falls a step behind, he's going to figure it out. He saw Georgia win two straight national titles, playing ball control, more traditional offense with suffocating defense. He saw that. He hired Tommy Reese. He saw the new clock rules, and he's like, I can win that way. That's where I'm comfortable. And, yes, he lost to Texas 
and this team had a lot of pieces in the air then, and I know I took Alabama to beat Texas, so crow for me. You know, give me my fork, give me my plate. That's fine. But Nick Saban has consistently been ahead of the curve or adjusted. And so off-season talk, oh, Nick Saban's still there? Cool. I'll just take a Coke. How's that sound? Just give me a Coke, and we're good. Yeah, I mean, I think – and who knows, who knows, George Hilo, he may end up being the outside linebacker because he has special teams experience. But we'll see. We'll see if the coaching moves are done. Uh, I'm, they, may, they may very well not be. I mean, the biggest trump card would be whipping Texas ass in the national championship game. And, then the, the, and instead of the defensive line coach getting on the plane to go back to Austin, he gets on the plane to go back to Tuscaloosa. That would be, uh, you know, epic for me. And maybe bring some reinforcements with him, too. Huh. Uh, that's just the way the game's played now. But certainly I'd love to have Bo Davis back, but we'll see. But uh, we appreciate everybody for listening. Uh, we And this has been a little bit of an extended uh, version of BAM's radio tonight. Appreciate Thomas for putting it together. Uh, you know, it's a busy time around Christmas, but uh, going to be busy with some, with some basketball and some hoop. Uh, in the next several days, but we certainly are going to be watching the Rose Bowl closely, and we will definitely have a Rose Bowl recap, and we are hoping it's a coronation to talking about going to Houston uh, to play in the national championship game uh, just a few short days later, uh, about a week later, eight, nine days later, and playing against either Texas or Washington for Alabama's 19th national championship. But for William Redfish Barger, for Thomas the Wizard Watts, I'm Drew Yarman. Again, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, Happy New Year to everyone, and we'll talk to you again soon. But good night and roll tide.